0: That means this game is over! You're gonna have to deal with the Chiefs! McCaffrey's gonna get it, and he walks in! Touchdown, San Francisco! There's Birdie looking, firing it in, Job.
1: Caught! Ayu! Touchdown! And
0: Show. Welcome to the Mix Pick Sports Show. It's the last day of January 2024. Let's say hi to Steve Mickelson from MixPicks.com with 2Ks in Mix and 2Ks in Picks. MixPicks.com. Hello, Steve
1: good morning
0: we spent an inordinate amount of time for this show yesterday talking about what you do uh, this is a sports show but it's also based in not only our mutual love of sports uh, but your uh, decades long experience running sports books doing the lines and and this is what mixpicks.com is all about where you use your years of knowledge to kind of help people figure out maybe you should be looking at this bet based on what i know from the angle of uh, having run a sports book and I, I wanted to all that talk it came up with this email Uh, That is something near and dear to your heart right now. It's from Kevin. It came in towards the end of the show. You can email us anytime. RAD at radradio.com. Phone number is 888-989-9811. All through the NFL season. It's not new to this season. But now that 38 states have legal sports betting of some kind and there's all sorts of other ways that people are involved in fantasy and things like that. People are scrutinizing the refs more and more, and especially when we see games during the regular season, teams kick a field goal that's totally meaningless, but it completely changes the over-under or the point spread, or they don't do something that if they would have just done this, would have altered the outcome of the game. It's happening in the NBA. We've already talked about it a few times over the last week and a half, and we've had scandals uh, in the NBA, and with so many people being so invested, because that's what, that's what betting is all about, whether it's an office pool, through a casino, through an online source with a buddy, you have a vested interest in the outcome, and it leads to things like Kevin, who says, "How is it legal to bet on something that literally could be fixed if they wanted to because it's entertainment?" And this is your this is one of your fears about the way these leagues are presenting uh, their their refs and their their transparency or lack thereof.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, the the more you know sports betting becomes mainstream in this country the more scrutiny it's going to be under for many years it was just the state of nevada that had legalized sports betting and one of the things that nevada gaming put in place was the wagering event had to take place on the field in a competitive nature i remember many years ago uh we put up a prop you know will michael jordan play you know, for the Chicago White Sox this year and gaming control board had us take it down. They did not permit it uh, because it's whether or not he's going to be on the roster of the White Sox or not. And so for many years, that was the principle. It had to be something determined on the field of play in a competitive nature. But now that sports betting is opening up, you're seeing a lot more stuff where, We currently are not allowed to bet on the color of the Gatorade. You know, that's not a sporting event. But for years, you couldn't bet on the coin toss because it was not part of the game. It was part of that. But now Nevada and some other states allow the coin toss, you know, as a wagering option. So people get creative, you know people will bet pretty much anything that is offered out there. You know, I've always said for years that if you get two turtles and put them in a parking lot, somebody's going to be willing to bet on them and who's (laughs) going to get farther because that's just our nature. And now that it's becoming more, you know, commonplace in this country, you do have to put things in place to ensure this doesn't happen, Uh, wide receiver for New England the other day got arrested on federal charges for placing over 8,900 bets, sports bets, uh, using a fake ID to place it while he was under 21. And the bets are coming out stating that he was wagering on his own player props, you know, which really brings into question, you know, some of these things. We as bookmakers, we still take the bets. We put it out there. We understand this, but that word integrity, you know, needs to go both ways. You know, I remember booking the calves finals a couple of years ago, and LeBron broke his hand in the first game and the calves went on and, and I believe they got beaten four, maybe five. And then afterwards we find out that he broke his hand in the first game. Well, doesn't there need to be some integrity from the league to share this information? So everybody knows about it last year in the Stanley cup, the Florida Panthers had like four players that were so injured. Shouldn't even be on the ice, but it was the Stanley cup finals. They want to play. They played, you know, with like knee injuries, shoulder injuries, all these things. But again, we didn't find out until after the Stanley cup. Again, the integrity needs to come from the league also, you know, not just from social media and various things getting reported.
0: And that goes to the heart of his question. Uh, And and first to back up those, and those, those prop bets, the really fun bets that have nothing to do with what's going on on the field with the prevalence of a lot of these online gaming sites, many of them are not regulated at all and people are still finding their way to them and they can offer all sorts of wacky things. But to his question of how is it legal to bet on something that literally could be fixed? Well, it's not about could it be fixed. It's it's completely illegal if it is fixed. If it's found to be rigged. If it's found to be the, the the laws are in place. And I think what Steve you're alluding to is we have to have better enforcement and better transparency so that we can constantly show people they're we're, they're not fixed. You're never gonna you're never going to stop the people that are going to just insist. That that is ha- Like this clown that ran up to uh, Bill Cowher and, and Boomer Esiason uh, and Nate Burleson as they're trying to leave uh, Sunday after the Ravens game, get on Amtrak, and he's yelling at them that the NFL is rigged and it's all a conspiracy. Can't do anything about him. But but we've got to be able to say to legitimate sports bettors, look, this is how we can show you this is not happening.
1: Correct. They, they need to be transparent in, you know, all of the different things. I can watch any game and tell you why both sides, you know, for the most part – When you watch the game, oh, they got screwed on this call. They got beat on this call. But we have, for sports betting to be successful, the public has to have faith that it's legitimate and it's not fixed, like, say, the WWE, that it's all scripted. (laughs) And, And that's where, you know, we keep talking about it. That's where I think we need to start using some more AI in order to get these things to take those really questionable calls And where it's possible, the human element out of the game without slowing the game down and taking away from the game.
0: Just jumping around some news uh, yesterday, uh, you had to break the news about uh, Ben Johnson, the Lions uh, offensive coordinator, uh, having just come out to say, "I'm, I'm staying. I'm staying with Detroit. I'm not taking any of these jobs. So I made sure I tried to get as completely, completely up to date with uh, the with, with the news. I think I've got it all as of right now. Um, but that was a shock because uh, Ben Johnson's been mentioned for actually a couple years, and there was word that he was interested in the commander's job. And in fact, the uh, the story is the commanders were actually on their way to uh, to Detroit to meet with Johnson when they got word that he said, "No, I'm not interviewing with anybody, including you guys." Uh, and then you 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 talked about. Uh, the idea that there's so much money in the NFL, and if you find a great coordinator, like you know, what what are the Chiefs going to do with Spags this year? Um, pay him, you said. And and after after we got done with the show, you sent me a copy of uh, Adam uh, Schefter's tweet or X, whatever we're calling these days, where he reported that that the Lions that Johnson did not stay because the Lions uh, adjusted his contract. They said, "Hey Ben, you know we're going to give you X million dollars a, a year to, to stay." Of, now that doesn't mean it might not happen, but he stayed out of either commitment to the cause, to Dan Campbell loyalty. Now I understand why everybody wanted to hire him boy. What a rare, rare bird in the NFL.
1: Oh, absolutely. The sad part is, is there's other articles out there that said, you know, some of the teams balked at his asking prices. He was commanding yeah. so much money in his contract, but then we see this one that he's staying with the lions without the pay raise. You know, this gets into that question. I know there's only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL and to have one of them at some point in your career, you know, that's what it's all about. But if he goes to the commanders, he's probably fired within three years, at which point he's trying to look for another job. Can he land another good job or does he end up being, you know, the offensive coordinator with, say, a team like the Panthers or the Cardinals that really never seem to do anything, and now he's just fizzling around the league, trying to land a job each year where if you can get in and, and I'd like to believe, and I'm hoping that Campbell's going to be the head coach for the lions for many years, he's building something with this team and they are going to be a playoff contender, say for the next 10 years. Wouldn't you rather take like five to 8 million, be the offensive coordinator for a team and know you have job security for the next 10 years under this with an organization you love, uh, You know, a head coach you love coaching for, you're still getting paid really good money, but that's where the ego gets into it is ultimately you do want to be a head coach, but you got to pick the right spot that works for you.
0: And I I really do want to believe that it is a version of that. And with something else that I do sprinkle in, it it slightly contradicts you there at, at the very end. I want to believe this is that this, this goes to this aura of Dan Campbell and and what he's created there in Detroit and this 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 love of team this love of each other and and that that Johnson sees this opportunity to actually get a championship and 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 finish something and then he loves being there. I do also believe you know not every single senator wants to be president. Maybe maybe Johnson over the course of being uh, courted the last two years, I mean, we went through this last season, much more so this season, um, and and maybe talking to other coordinators, talking to people who've been coaches, maybe he kind of stepped back, saw what you described, and went, do I need to be the guy in charge? Maybe maybe this is a really good gig to not be the one who, who because I went for it twice on fourth Is is being is being? If it was a different guy at a different time, I would be fired just for that. I mean, I I I look. I have nothing. I don't have any sourcing on this, but I I want to believe it's something like all of that combined,
1: which would be wonderful. I I mean, you look at Josh McDaniels. He's a great offensive coordinator. He's an absolutely awful head coach. Norv Turner. I go to him when he was the offensive coordinator with the Cowboys. Had a great job. Stay there forever. He could have been there with the Cowboys for forever. Ended up, you know, taking the head coaching job. I don't know if – I believe it was the Redskins at the time is where he went. From that point, he just kind of bounced around the league and, and, you know, never fully finished off what he had built. There are guys who just are not head coaches. We see it all the time. They get the opportunity. They fail miserably. But then you then watch them bounce from team to team because they don't have that landing spot like the team they had – before they got offered that head coaching job. And, and to me, I would like to see, and that's what I'd like to see these coordinators get paid a little bit more money because they are so vital to that organization. You know, you look at some of these quarterbacks and, Oh, I've had four offensive coordinators in four years. And you wonder why the quarterback hasn't developed. You have to give them stability. The great organizations do that. And I'm very glad that Ben Johnson is staying with the lions and uh, hopefully they can bring that stability to the organization.
0: The NFL history is littered with the Arthur Smiths of the world. Now, this, that means that the commanders had to look elsewhere. They were already looking elsewhere and thinking about it. They did have their in-person interview uh, Monday with Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. He met yesterday with, uh, with Seattle. And, and the book on this guy is that his interviews are – he's the, the word I keep hearing is dynamic. Uh, and one person uh, told Ian Rappaport, he was the best interview we had by far. They described him as the defensive Sean McVay, and of course, the, you know the Ravens. You can't just completely take last Sunday out of it. The Ravens are known, and they are built like the Steelers have been built for by certain things. Their defense for so long, the Iron Curtain. The Ravens are known in the modern era running, which they didn't do Sunday, and defense. And uh, obviously, you're going to look at a guy. Uh, like McDonald, to the point where the Seahawks, the report is, have kind of changed what they were thinking. And this brings us back to, as we go through all of this here, Steve, coordinators who don't belong as head coaches. I know we only got one shot, but the smart money in Seattle is on Dan Quinn. I I don't get that idea, but the reports are that Seattle, after talking to McDonald, they're leaning towards it, and now Washington and Seattle are trying to figure out who pulls the trigger first because they don't want to lose out on him.
1: Dan Quinn over Pete Carroll, (laughs) isn't your job, if you're going to let your head coach go, aren't you really looking for a head coach who's going to be a better for the organization, who's going to take our organization to the next level? I'm just not convinced that Dan Quinn is better than Pete Carroll. So then you go back to why did the Seahawks let Carroll go? Exactly.
0: Exactly. It, 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 they're, they're, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have anywhere to go. Look how long they've taken, too. So it's not like they were eyeing one person in particular. And, and that, that was a great answer, Dan Quinn over Pete Carroll. Pfft, come on, um, this story is not getting enough attention, in my opinion. We'll jump into college real quick. The University of Tennessee is under NCAA investigations for violations again. This time over the NIL, the NIL, the name, image, likeness thing. Um, they were just fined eight million bucks. With a level one violation, they, the 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 word is, it's all tied to football, and that the NCAA is really focusing on rules tied to name in, image and likeness. There's been a real uptick in NIL cases. I'm, I hope we're not p- talking past too many people. This is very sportsy, but this is basically the way college athletes can make money. Uh, it went it went into place a couple years ago, and and it also involves the, the transfer portal, which is the way Deion Sanders built out Colorado and in just a few months. But Steve, college football, again, history of it, littered with violations and questions. And, uh, I mean, Reggie Bush and down the line we go with questionable things. And the University of Tennessee, they could really get hammered if they get a second violation. And it just kind of came and went yesterday. I know we're out of college football season, but the whole overview of this I thought deserved at least a minute or two.
1: Yeah, I think the big question is if you read the article, there's a lot of – things that Tennessee is saying that, look, there's no clear cut policy. This is what is an infraction. This is what not's an infraction. They have emails and memos and various things Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And they're constantly changing their position on what's acceptable. You can't expect every program in the country to follow something to the T if you're not very specific on what is legal and what is not legal and that's where i feel for tennessee if this is true and i also started going into the the you know the allegations oh you know 47 and i'm just throwing numbers out there 47 inappropriate meals paid for 36 inappropriate game day parking you know is in there really you're going to crush our our school program because of meal expenses and parking expenses. You, you know, to me, it's the NCAA just piling on. I get the illegal recruiting during wrong times and having un, you know, unauthorized visits to the campus and to the program and giving money to recruits to come in. Those kind of things I understand, but those also have to be very specific as what's permitted and what's not. When you're down to like dinging people for in the olden days, you know, making inappropriate calls to the family using the coach's phone, as opposed to paying it for yourself, you're just reaching. And some of these things that I was reading, you know, do deal with paying for game day parking and, you know, meals and, and coffee and, you know, stuff like that. And it's just, I I wholeheartedly believe here in the near future, you're going to watch college football break away from the NCAA and form its own business and it's going to be its own entity in itself and the NCAA is going to oversee all the other sports but college football will be its own business like the NFL
0: and I'm glad you took the angle you did because the 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 reason I I I want I think there should be a lot more light being shed on the story is all of it not just wow Tennessee could get hammered if they again but Tennessee is, you're right, pushing back hard, and this vagarity around all of this needs to be looked at, and I, I've heard that rumor floated before that, that the NCAA doesn't realize that college football has become an entity far bigger than the NCAA, and college football, because the, the, it makes so much money for these schools that these colleges are eventually going to say, we, we, just, we don't need your oversight, we, we've got this handled.
1: And I believe that that day is coming sooner than people realize.
0: And uh, by the way, just to, kind of on the same thing, I want to circle back something we just talked about the other day. Uh, just on the the, we very briefly covered the this this ridiculous notion that that Taylor Swift is boosting ratings and and is saving the NFL. Look, no doubt there's an effect of young women, teenage girls tuning in to see Taylor Swift. Yes, but the idea that that is then leading to this growing popularity across the whole sport. Is is mind-numbingly stupid, and it's proven out, and we've got all the numbers now that we're done with all the playoffs. This year's NFL playoffs, we're talking about all three weekends, uh, averaged 38.5 million viewers, and that is the most-watched playoffs ever, and records only date back to 1988. Most-watched playoffs, most playoffs ever, up 9% from last year. And for the three weekends, more than half of all Americans who were using their televisions were watching NFL games. That is an extraordinary statistic as a guy in the watching, listening, viewing area who's been looking at ratings reports for for 30 years. 120.4, 120.5 million viewers tuned in Championship Sunday. Different eyes. A third of the country watched the Lions, Niners, Ravens, Chiefs. That is where the NFL is today. I don't care about the Taylor Swift angle. That's how big they are. That's what a behemoth they are. That is how uh, they, we might, we, we say this every year, we might really break the record for the Super Bowl this year.
1: Uh, absolutely. I, I'm curious to see where the handle is going to go. Um, and the viewership, I think it absolutely has the ability to break the handle in both categories. You, you know, the NFL is king. Anybody <laughs> questions anything? I mean, The NFL is King out there, but with any business you want to continue to grow and whether I like it or not, and I tend to not like it, you know, they're reaching these huge numbers in the United States, which is why we're seeing more and more international games because the area for them to grow is now in the international market. And that's why we're seeing it. I think they're going to have what, eight games next year played at international markets. Um, So it's just what it is. You know, owners want more money. I always feel bad for the fans because we keep paying more and more for the ticket prices. And unfortunately, I don't go to anywhere near the amount of games I used to because I just can't afford it anymore. I love it. That's what I loved doing when I was a kid. That's why I became such a huge baseball fan. Mm but it's just pricing myself and families out. You know, it's the corporations now that are buying all the tickets and all these games. You don't see the families going anymore. And that's the downside. That's, that's the part nobody talks about, which is a shame because as it continues to grow and just make more and more money, it squeezes the families and the common fan out of it.
0: Fair enough. As a guy who, who got tired of going to games, it was a combination of things. Very fortunate to have been to a ton of them. And the the, the the degradation of fans and the way they behave in the stands combined with how amazing the experience is at home to watch most sports and especially the NFL. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I would want to go to an NFL game again unless maybe I was in a luxury box uh, or something like that. And so, so I'm a little indifferent on that side of it. You're right. Part of this increased viewership is, well, we can't afford to go to it. But the other side of that is, hey, it's – it is great to watch. I mean, the, the interest is still there in terms of what's going on in the field. And we've talked endlessly this, this, I get it, this push to go worldwide, as we both know from our own separate sources, it ain't taken yet. And I'm not sure if it will, the, the, the European stands are either, you know, half full or they're, or they're giving, they're handing out tickets or giving out tickets to, to fill. I, I understand why the NFL does it. And as long as it doesn't water down the product, you know, like you said, it's it, it's it's a business, and we'll see. I, um, you know, I, mm, yeah, I'm gonna save this one, Steve, because uh, we got to take a break um, later on. Uh, Jerry Jerry Jones is really yapping his mouth. Uh, most people have already heard the the all in comment from yesterday, which I was gonna talk about. We may or may not get to it. Just got a breaking uh, report. For some reason, he's talking about his ability to work with Bill Belichick. So I'll get to context on that. And we had news from the NBA last night. We'll do that next. Mix picks the mix pick sports show.
1: Call the Mix Pick Sports Show at 888-989-9811.
0: So funny, Steve. Uh, earlier this week, it wasn't, wasn't last week. It was earlier this week. Uh, I, I made a joke uh, to you. I asked you just uh, how much uh, the 76ers were going to kill the, the trailblazers by. It, it, Portland just sucks. And uh, Portland comes out and kills Philadelphia. Now, prior to that happening, when I brought it up, you did point out, well, you know, 76ers, they're, they're not healthy. They've got, And then, sure enough, they go out, they lay an egg against Portland. And, uh, and I know you're always harping on injuries you know, people got to stay healthy, but then there's the teams that are already a little wobbly. Sixers are having a hell of a season and, and then things, you know, they start to have health problems. They get a little, a, they, a little rusty there. And now this morning we find out that Joel Embiid is going for an MRI. Uh, they, they fell to the Warriors last night, uh, and Beeb fell on his, on his knee. Now he had been out for six games, with problems with the same knee, although uh, after the game, uh, Coach Nick Nurse said it's it's not they're not related. What happened tonight is not related to why he was sore. But either way, that's big. Oh, a- absolutely!
1: And if you watched that game last night, I-, I give credit to the Warriors. They really, when Embiid was on the floor, really wanted to push the ball, uh, bring it up court, make him tire him out, running up and down the court. You know, he played, I think, 30 minutes last night. I think he had 16 points, so he broke his string of 21, 22 consecutive games of 30 points. He didn't look good. He was having a hard time handling the ball. You know, he hit a couple of big shots here and there, but he didn't shoot the ball all that well. And for the Sixers to have any success, he has to be healthy. He did have a little tangle with one of the players, you know, during that game it went down and you could see he came up limping. But the, I thought it was a great game plan by the Warriors in that to just flat out take it to him. He 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 wasn't ready to play in a sense and you could see he wasn't 100% healthy and uh you know, good game by the Warriors.
0: Well, and and Maxi was out for his third straight game too. So I mean, the 76ers really are limping through the the middle of this season they they play again on Thursday uh at at Utah and and the Warriors the Warriors are and, and and the San Francisco media uh and not to say that they're wrong are making the case that ever since Draymond Green got back from his uh, um suspension that they're balanced again their ball sharing is balanced steph had what 37 last night and they're starting to make the case don't count us out and and, and you you say they had a good game plan i don't know that the 76ers are the perfect lab test because of all all the injuries and, and everything, but, but they're, they want this. They're saying, come on, come on. We're still golden state.
1: Yeah, they're not. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that hoping and wishing, but they're not, you know, Steph Curry had a big game. You know, he is still one of the elite players in the game scoring 37 last night. The thing I'd like to do is I I, I like seeing Kaminga start getting more minutes and playing. He had 26 last night, 39, uh, but you need to start getting some of these rookies like Pozynski, you know, getting him playing. He logged 37 minutes yesterday. You know, there other Jackson Davis. I want to see these kids start playing. I think it's time that the Warriors move on. Clay, yes, he was great for the organization, but I'm sorry. I, I think he's done. I'm tired of the Draymond Green Act. I could see Draymond sticking around. Because I believe he has a lot of loyalty to the Warriors and he's willing to do the dirty work. You know, he's willing to play the defense, fight for that rebound, do those other things that some other players don't want to do. And he doesn't care how many points he scores, but his act is getting a little, you know, old. But start developing these younger players because you got to move on. It's just not the same. And, And, you know, I watched. DiVincenzo go off yesterday for the Knicks, 30-some points again, and I'm like, where was this last year with the Warriors? Mm. I mean, he pretty much didn't exist. He couldn't shoot the ball, and he's having an outstanding year with the Knicks this year. Warriors could have used a little bit of that last year. Uh,
0: the, uh, the Warriors start a five-game road trip on a Friday. Uh, they're at Memphis, uh, and um, the, the 76ers will have another shot at him during that trip as well. Another, another team that just drives me nuts because they're they're Steve. They're not a good team. The Lakers. They're not a good team. Yeah, I know. Superstar LeBron James. I know. Uh, they're in Los Angeles. They, 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 they're just not a good team. And and they 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 kind of showed that uh, last night. You know, and going back to the Warriors, they had that double overtime victory, which uh, uh, they they'd won four out of six when they started their their road trip. Now, but they've gone on to they've got blown out basically by the Rockets. They they lost to the Hawks last night, one thirty eight to. 122, and they, they, they allowed 127 points for the fifth straight game. And the, I understand why we focus on them, but I just don't take them seriously. And by the way, just, I should say, this is not because I'm in Sacramento, and if you're a Kings fan, you have to hate the 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 Lakers and the Warriors. That's not how – in fact, when I was growing up, I was never really a fan of any basketball team, but I rooted for the Lakers. There's none of that going on. Um, but I They're just not – come on. Can we just stop taking them seriously for right now, other than, yes, LeBron's there.
1: Yeah, that's the problem. LeBron's there. AD is there. AD did not play last night. So, you know, that was a factor there. Trey Young was back with the Hawks, played well. You know, Hawks have had some injuries here, but they're really not a good team. They're 20 and 27 on the year. But, you know, keep in mind, the Lakers are under 500 yet again this season. They did win the in-season tournament and everybody tries to go to that. But come on, was everybody fully bought into that in-season tournament the Lakers have to manage because of their age with LeBron and AD. They have to manage these players times, you know, to give them rest throughout the course of the season. They fully believe that they can turn it on and can win at any time they want. They just have to make it into the playoffs. But the Hawks last night, you know, pounded on this a little bit more. They outscored the Lakers in every single quarter. It wasn't one quarter that Lakers, hey, look, we made a little run. Hawks led start to finish. Lakers never even made a big run on them in that game, and, and just like the Warriors, yes, I, I am. Lakers have no chance.
0: Uh, what about uh, we do have the Sacramento Kings uh, there playing at the Miami Heat uh, tonight? Uh, well, I'll wait for to my comments on the Heat after you tell me what you think of uh, of the game tonight.
1: Yeah, right now, the Heat open the one-point favorite. They're up to one and a half. Duncan Robinson is out for the Heat. You know, when he's hot and he's able to shoot, he contributes. But there's a lot of times he's just, you know, not all that much. But Miami has really struggled since they picked up Terry Rozier. Rozier went for 20-some points in his last game. I think it's a case of they just have to figure out how he fits into that lineup with Jimmy Butler, et cetera. I think Miami will be okay. They have not covered seven straight games, so it's tough to look into this and say, hey, look, I want to jump on the heat because they haven't covered in a while, but you got to believe at a certain point they have to cover. They have to find a way to win, but Sacramento's playing really well right now. I believe they've won four straight. Uh, Big comeback win last game. Weren't able to shoot the three at all and they found a way to win. So these are the things that Kings need to do. This would be a really nice win on the road if the Kings can make it. And keep in mind, I believe the Heat are something like 8-15 and at home against the spread. So they're not a good home team. They're not a good team at home versus the spread because people keep thinking they're a better team than they are. I'm hoping for a really good game. I'd like to see the Kings win here, but I also know Miami, to a certain point, is going to find a way to start winning games
0: again. That's what I wanted to talk about. Because even even now, I mean, within the league, this has started to shift a little bit the last couple of seasons. It's still pretty quiet. Can we just for a moment talk about maybe the most underrated coach in the NBA? I mean, Eric Spolstra, what a job this guy has done. He came in on the heels, the shadow of Pat Riley, and he's still there. And he is such a good, smart coach and i think he's one of the x factors anytime you play the heat
1: i i I agree with you i think he is one of the top coaches in the nba and and i will tell you when he got a you know got the job at first it was like uh you know he's just (laughs) kind of put in there to be a game manager with wade etc and you know oh look at that he's got lebron so he found a way to win but he's really not that great a coach. And I will tell you, I am dead wrong for what I thought when he first got that job. He is one of the best coaches in the NBA. He has proven it year in and year out, and uh, he, he didn't just get the job because They thought he could manage the egos of the team and relate to the players. He got it because he is an outstanding coach and he does deserve more credit for what he does.
0: This was the thing. uh, And, and, and I, look, I, I admit I was more like you at the time with the, you know, young, good looking kid. And the the rub was of course, well, he's not going to coach the team. Riley's going to coach the team. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of that being the case, and, and that's it, we always have to go to those storylines. We didn't uh, too much as a narrative. We didn't step back and go, wait a minute, Pat Riley, is one of the smartest guys in the nba and if he's hand picking this guy and he's not really coaching them i bet he's on to something and i mean sure enough uh it, that is it's just turned out to be the exact right i, I think I, I isn't he i i don't know if i got this right i isn't he the second longest coach in the nba i
1: i, I, I don't know what it is but you gotta believe he's gotta be up there He, he's been there and, and you know touching on pat riley I mean, everything he's ever done in the NBA has just been fantastic. I I mean, he knows the game. He knows the players. And he is, you know, he is one of the greatest of all
0: time. Uh, By the way, I just want to circle back real quick because things are not getting better for the Lakers. As they continue this trip, they have to go to Boston and then play the Knicks. So this could be really rough. Um, We got uh, not really breaking news, but uh, earlier this morning. So the NBA, they're slowly trying to do what the NFL has taught them to do. NBA has been doing a good job of growing and expanding slower, slower pace. And they did announce uh, earlier this morning, they have finalized plans to follow the footsteps. They're expanding the draft for 2024 into a two night event in new york we will get the first and second rounds on successive nights at the end of june so these event programming things major leagues uh, baseball uh, has a show where you learn about the postseason awards we all know about the nfl draft it's a four-day event really only two you know for most of us thursday and friday uh and now the nba draft will be a two-night event
1: yeah it's where it's going I-, I mean we look at the viewership and the nba is becoming more and more popular and credit to the nba for, you know, expanding it. I, I remember, you know, rolling back 15, 20 years ago and there was a lot of talk of nobody's interested in the NBA. Nobody cares anymore, but Silver has done an outstanding job at promoting the league, getting back the interest. And I, I think I, I enjoyed it back when the NBA used to have more rounds. So they're at two rounds, but really the rosters are so small. Anybody who's not picked in the first rounds, probably not making it. Um, the thing I'd like to see is the G league get a little bit more publicity and become a little bit more mainstream because I still think there's good basketball in the G league. It's just, nobody really realizes it.
0: And with, uh, with all of these different platforms and streaming and cable channels, people that are kind of like on the outside, they go, well, they got to put something on. The thing is people are watching it. I mean, I, I watched uh, that the, the afternoon after our show when they were announcing the, the postseason awards for major league baseball, I clicked over at least because it, it is, it's an event and, and, it's not like it used to be when, when, when God long before the internet, cause you and I are old, we had to wait until the nightly news or the newspaper the next morning. You want to know, and, and you want to know right away. Um, uh, absolutely. I was going to touch on that. I, I remember being a kid and I'd always,
1: they had a hotline for the sports section and you would <laughs> yeah. call it at night and they'd give you all the baseball scores for that night. Cause I didn't even want to wait until the morning to get the scores.
0: Uh, so true. All right, we'll take a quick break and uh, we're, we're going to touch on what uh, Jerry Jones is uh, yapping about. We have some other uh, Cowboys news, Super Bowl news, things like that. And, and I got to double check this NBA coaching thing. Mix Picks, the Mix Pick Sports Show. Let's go!
1: The Mix Pick Sports Show. Got a hot take? Email us at rad
0: at rad All right, confirmed. Uh, Eric Spolstra of the Miami Heat. He's the uh, second longest-running current head coach in the uh, NBA. Uh, obviously, Pops. Uh, Popovich is in his 28th season. Uh, it's a very long season for him, but he's obviously trying to do it one more time. So, uh, Pops is in his 28th season. Uh, Spolstra is in his 16th season. And uh, Steve Kerr is in his 14th straight season for current uh, NBA coaches. So that not only came up because the Kings are playing in the heat tonight, and uh, I just think that Spolster's underrated, and Steve agrees. This this story, Steve, is meaningless. I'm going to mention it anyways because it's, uh, it's one of those guys of a certain age. Just remember this name, and, and there isn't much to the story, but uh, Peter Angelos. But you and I, you know, out of high school, college age, 20s, you always equated the name to the Baltimore Orioles, the Angelos family. Uh, they never went to the World Series uh, under the Angelos family. Um, they, uh, they, they, uh, they got it in 1993. Uh, they bought the Orioles. Uh, he's now 94. Peter Angelos is. His son has taken over. Uh, and now yesterday it was announced that uh, Dave Rubenstein, whoever that is, he co-founded the Carlisle Group. Oh, he's the guy that was going after the, 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 the commanders and the nationals. Apparently he really wants to own a sports team in that, uh, in that region. Uh, he's buying uh, the Baltimore Orioles. It's just one of those things that caught my eye. I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing uh, where it takes you back to, and it's not really my youth. It's you know more for me, my mid-20s or whatever. Uh, but the Angeles family was it, is a big name in baseball for, for a while, and you go, oh, well, okay, end of that era.
1: Yeah, it is. I think the Angeles family has realized with where these player salaries are going because they've never been able to compete at that level with free agents. They have a huge core of really talented young players on this roster, and I'm kind of glad to see them sell it because if I'm an Orioles fan, I want owners who are going to be able to pay these players keep them competitive. The thing that surprised me the most about it was the sale price of $1.75 billion. (laughs) I I mean, I I would have said any major league baseball team or football team, you know, you start at 3 billion, you know, that's where we start. And then you negotiate up or down a little bit, figuring out what the team is for 1.75 billion. And I believe that they also own the ballpark Camden yards. Maybe they don't, but, if you're getting the stadium in addition to that and the land deal, I, I think it's a pretty good deal. Not that I could have ever afforded to, to buy the team, but uh, you know what? The sale prices you see for these franchises in sports, $1.75 seems
0: a little low. Uh, since you mentioned it, there does have to be I, – I, I, I hadn't read it before, so I'm going to be doing this uh, on the fly – uh, John Angelos uh, complained, that's the son, complained in a New York Times interview in August that he would have to vastly increase prices to afford retaining the Orioles stars and put off extending the club's lease at Camden Yards in hopes of developing a multi-use development near the stadium that ushered in a ballpark renaissance in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. Camden Yards was like one of the first of these new modern ballparks. Uh, with an end of the year deadline looming, the team and state finalized a 30-year lease on December 18th. But plans to develop areas around Camden and Yards were tabled. They have an out clause after 15 years. So this is all under the guise of would they leave Baltimore? So it doesn't sound like they own the stadium or the land, but they've got all the – and it doesn't sound like uh, Car- the Carlisle Group has any interest in in moving them either. Uh, w-
1: which is good. I- I'm never a fan of, you know, franchises moving. If you're going to have a, a new franchise, I like what, you know, what the Vegas Golden Knights did. You're an expansion. You bring it on. You get that loyalty – you know, you see it with the Raiders and yes, I'm very happy that the Raiders are in Las Vegas. I'm happy the A's are moving to Las Vegas, but you're not going to get that true loyalty because, you know, Las Vegas, you, you could have been charger fans. You could have been, you know, fans of other teams, the Broncos out of Las Vegas. You're not going to embrace the Raiders. Like you should be being in Las Vegas. And and that's where I always like the fresh start. Cause I'm a Red Wings fan. I'm a diehard Detroit Red Wings fan, but I can tell you, I put the VGK right up with the Red Wings. I root for them for every game. Just not the one game, you know, the couple of games they play against the Red Wings. That's all.
0: You can email us, uh, rad at radradio.com. Nice note from Andrew. Says, hi, Steve and Rob. I love this sports show. I grew up in Dallas seeing Roger Staubach, Ed Tuttle Jones, Tony Dorsett, and more play at the old stadium. Jerry frustrates me and other fans. He looks to control too much. Coaching and he looks like a doll that went wrong. Okay, shot at his appearance there at the end. Uh, but I mentioned that uh, a lot of people already heard his all-in comment uh, from yesterday. But the thing this morning is, uh, he was talking to Yahoo Sports. Uh, he's at the Jerry's at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and it, while uh, we've talked about it, it, doesn't look like Bill Belichick's going to coach this year unless this rumor about Andy Reid walking away after the Super Bowl is going on and and if that's happening we know that there's been some communication like hey best coach of all time I want to take over a team built to win and break the record we'll we'll get to that after the Super Bowl for some reason it came up as to whether or not Jerry Jones could work with Bill Belichick uh and he says uh this was just this morning just released I know him personally I like him he's a friend there's no doubt in my mind that we could work together he went on to say that Belichick is at the top of his profession. He also called it ridiculous that one person automatically assures you a Super Bowl, saying, quote, that's too high an expectation for him, but he is maybe the greatest uh, pro football coach of all time. He's a friend. I like him. uh, I want to make it real clear. I wouldn't have any problem working with him. Jerry Jones doesn't say a lot that isn't calculated. Now, maybe he's just talking off the cuff. This, to me, sounds like a shot right at Mike McCarthy that says, you got one season, which is what we all know. And if you don't do it, I got a friend. In fact, you know what? If you really suck it up in the beginning of the next season, I got a friend I can call out of the booth. I I, I have a hard time believing there's not more of a message there.
1: I, I agree with your message that I think he's sending. You know, I was critical on any team hiring Belichick. I, I didn't see it working out. He's not going to have a job this year, I don't believe. But actually, I believe it's working out really well for Belichick. If you look at it, let mm. him sit back take a look, take a season off, Reevaluate. see from a different viewpoint what's going on in the league. And right now, think about this. Yes, the Chiefs, if they win it all, Andy Reid could step away. But if he doesn't step away, or if he does, there's the Chiefs' job. McCarthy's on his last leg. He could possibly end up in Dallas. Sirianni is absolutely being told that, look, we got rid of all the coaches, we kept you, you don't come out quickly next season and or advance deep in the playoffs, you're gone. The Buffalo Bills, we thought McDermott Mm. was gone at the midway point. He finished strong. They gave him another opportunity, but let's say the Bills get out slow and or get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Belichick, to me, could fit in all four of those situations and where I would not have hired him into a Panthers, a Commanders, or any of these jobs To walk into a couple of years to the Chiefs, the Bills, the Cowboys, or the Eagles, that would be wonderful. And and even the Raiders, they had to give the job to Antonio Pierce. I agree with that. They needed to. But let's say Pierce suddenly next year really isn't doing anything. The players aren't responding. It opens up the Raiders' job as well because I don't think they're committed to Pierce long-term like you would have if you had hired him away from another organization so there's plenty of opportunities, I think, out there for Belichick next year that I did not believe were there this year.
0: And uh, as we work our way through, you know, we got another week and a half uh, to, as we focus on football and the Super Bowl. There, There's a lot of uh, rumors about the Belichick and and the broadcasting thing that you and I have talked about that I'll weave in as, as we have time. Uh, some of them, some of them I'm vetting pretty good. And, and th- I think this adds to your story. Take a year to show America who you really are. We've discussed it already on the show way too much. It, it, everybody that knows him says he's hilarious. He's got this incredible personality. He's not a we're on to the Chiefs guy. He's actually he, he's brilliant. He's a historian. Let America see you. And then do any one of those teams. You just laid out five teams built to win, ready to win for the greatest coach in history. And it is it is almost lining up perfectly for Belichick. And I, I do believe everything is on hold until the Super Bowl because of the Chiefs Andy Reid thing, because who knows if they've talked or whatever, Andy Reid might be like, if I win, I'm out. If I lose, I'm staying. Now the other thing, I just want to really quickly, Steve, because as we get into the off season, we'll do deeper dives on this stuff. But, but again, calculated words from Jerry Jones, but this one was so vague. He got a lot of press yesterday on his his uh, radio show. He was asked about 2024, and he said, "We're we're going all in." Uh, quote: "I would say that you will see us coming this year. Not build it for the future." Okay. I, that is so vague in terms of what exactly does that mean? Haven't you been all in? And, and, but it does, you start to look at certain things. They got an issue with Dak. His contract's in his last year. He's got a, he's a $60 million cap. Uh, the, are they going to do extensions for CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons? What about the 2024 draft? I guess my, my general question before we do the deep dive in a few weeks, what exactly do the Cowboys need to work on?
1: Well, first of all, I believe they're a little over $14 million over the cap. So they're going to have to you know, get some cap space there outside of working on Jerry Jones and, and having him hire in some football people. For me, I think they need to get back to their identity with another stronger running game. Mm. You know, Pollard rushed for a thousand yards, but he really wasn't as effective as he had been the last few years. I really believe they need another wide receiver. And to give you an idea, C.D. Lamb at 181 targets this year in the season. Brandon Cooks was second highest at 81 and then you go to Gallup at 57. So we know that it was Prescott to C D Lamb, but I like to see teams have other options in there because I think it opens things up like you see with a you know a Kittle and Ayuk and a Debo Samuel thing. Y- you need to be able to have multiple receivers for that. And the other part is you know, I've always liked Vander Esch at w- linebacker, but he's been injured the last few years. So the three areas I think the Cowboys need to look at is a linebacker. You know, they get Trayvon Diggs back out of that secondary who went down in week two, but I think they need a linebacker. I think they need a quality wide receiver to take some additional targets there. And and I would like to see him get a, a number two back to help, you know, put with Pollard to really improve that running game because Dak puts up big numbers. But it doesn't always translate to wins. You you have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able to pass the ball. And, you know, bottom line, though, Jerry Jones it always gets in the team's way.
0: I did a, I did a deep dive, too, on this Dak Prescott contract. It is really convoluted. And when we talk deeper about it in the offseason, it, it, they've got a lot of things to work out there. And the other thing with the Cowboys is I, I'm having fun looking at every team's schedule for 2024-25 for because we know who they're going to play. We just don't know when. We know where too. And the Cowboys, if the teams are the same or close to the same as next year, they have got to play teams like, the. obviously, we already know they play the Giants, Commanders, Eagle, Eagles. They got to play the Lions, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Texans, the Niners in San Francisco. They got to play the Steelers. They got to play the – they play a lot of teams that are either really good or look to be improving. And, and it becomes a question of can you actually – can you go all in and still not really be uh, uh, competitive? against your schedule. We'll talk more about that, as I said, uh, moving forward. We're going to get closer and closer day by day to Super Bowl tactics and odds and betting and and rumors and such. And and I'm having too much fun with you, Steve. Thank you, man. I will see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m.
1: Thank you. Have a wonderful day.